Glory to God. Good to have the kids in here with us today. Always enjoy seeing seeing you guys here. You got a children's sermon note when you came in. You can either use that one or the regular sermon notes, whichever you like to do. And when we finish, all you folks who are over here from Children's Church, uh, Ara is going to collect the forms. There you go. In case you don't know who that is. <laughs> She's going to collect all the forms for you. She's going to stand in for Keith since he's not here to uh, collect those. And we're going to make a copy of them, and we're going to give you uh, something out of a little prize box that we got over there for you to, to go. Just a little snack item for you. We're going to be starting a new series here today, and eventually we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 12. I saw this story. thought it was kind of uh, humorous, but kind of nice as well. There was a man who was, who, uh, who's called Mr. Insured in the story. Kind of gives you an idea where the story is going. That he had just purchased a new. Now I'm I'm not real familiar with motorcycle lingo on this one, so I'm just going to read it to you as it's written right here. Um, a 75009cc Honda motorcycle. Probably not the right way to read it. 7509. That's what it's in there as, and I really don't know motorcycle lingo at all. But anyway, it's a big one. Is what I'm I'm getting from the story. He said after a few leisurely trips around the block. To become more acquainted with this powerful new machine, he parked the cycle in front of his home to show it off to his neighbors. But rain clouds started to move in, and he didn't want the cycle to get wet, so he decided to move it inside the house. So he put several large boards down over the steps to make up a ramp. And he started the cycle up and uh, drove the cycle up the ramp that he just made that went up the steps. But being unfamiliar with the amount of power that this particular motorcycle had, he uh, lost control on the porch. He crashed through the door (laughs) and into the television set in the living room. He sustained a fractured collarbone and the living room was covered with gasoline and oil. So the ambulance came, took him to the hospital. And while he was there, his wife and daughter cleaned up the debris that was left and soaked up all the gasoline with towels, and they wrung them out in the toilet. Several hours later, Mr. Insured returned home. Full casted with neck, uh, fully casted from neck to waist, so he went into the bathroom where he lit a cigarette and tossed the match into the toilet. Needless to say, the ambulance was called again. As they were carrying the battered and burned Mr. Insured out of the house, one of the medics asked, his wife, what happened? Upon hearing the story, both medics broke into a fit of laughter, slipping on the wet porch and dropped Mr. Insured, fracturing his arm. On the way to the hospital, the ambulance was involved in an accident. But at least there, no one was hurt. Talk about a bad day. The motorcycle was sold the next day. I read this story to tell you this. Bad days don't just happen. Bad days happen because of things that are in place to sustain it. And as we read the story, we hear all the things that were in place that caused those bad things to be sustained. But unfortunately, when you're going through it, you don't necessarily know about all those things that are there. How many times have you been praying to receive healing? Or you've prayed for to receive healing from a condition? Some kind of a physical condition. And you walked away from that healed and saw changes in your body. But sometime down the road, those things began to come back. You began to feel that pain. You began to feel that condition. Somehow, what you were prayed for seemed, uh, seemed to have gone away at the time, but it seems to, the condition seems to be coming back. Anybody ever experienced that? So uh, we're asking some questions about this. And there's some things about, about this that I just, I've, I've always known. I kind of thought everybody did until I was involved in a conversation with a particular doctor. And in, the, in that conversation, we were, t- we were talking about some things, and I was relating to them some of the things that um, along this line, and they, uh, they agreed with it and came to the conclusion that not too many of the people that they took care of knew these things. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. I kind of thought that everybody had, uh, had known these things. But um, it's, it's, it's not always apparent. But what we're talking about here is how to sustain a change when it comes. 
How do, you, how do you sustain a change? If you receive a change in your body, if you want a change, how do you sustain it? Now, some of the first places that I learned about this, and of course, most of the things I learned in life are, I'm kind of limited in the things that I've gotten involved with. You know, I got involved with marine tanks and fish and, and biology, and I love that stuff, and got involved with running, and, and uh, you know, those two things take up a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time for anything else. So that's basically where I learned. But you'll learn God, whatever it is that you get involved with. God will teach you Things about him in whatever you get involved with. If you like motorcycles, God will teach you him about motor, through motorcycles. It's amazing what he will do. But he will use what you are familiar with. When I was in college, I was going through a particular time in my life where I disdained the idea of sleep. I thought it was a waste of time. I didn't, I didn't like it. And so I was trying to cut out as much of it as I could. Now, when I was in college, I was working in the uh, AV department there at the college. And doing some things there. I was going out for cross country. I was uh, involved with the training there. So, you know, you have class and then you have, have to show up for cross country and you have to uh, show up at the AV department and do things in there. And then, of course, there were studies. And so there's lots of stuff to take up your time. So I was trying to cut down my sleep as much as possible. I was down to about four hours most nights. Uh, and my coach pulled me aside one time because I guess my sleeping habits got a, got a, became aware. And he, he, said, he said, you know, you would probably do better in this sport if you got more sleep. Now, it seems like a basic thing, right? But you see, in order to have, a, in order to have more energy or more uh, stuff to be able to do that with, sleep was, was one of those things that was, was helping. And uh, he was telling me I'm hurting myself by, by not getting this done. So I went from trying to get to four hours of sleep. I pushed myself all the way up to, to five hours of sleep. And uh, before a race, I would allow myself to have as much as six. And that was pushing it for me. I mean, I, I, I felt pretty, pretty poorly about all that. But um, that began, that introduced me to some things that whatever it is that you want to do, that you have to support it somehow. If you do not put the proper things in to support whatever it is you want to do, you will not be doing what you want to do for very long. And so I began to ponder on this thing, and, and someone says, well, God, I know these principles, but I know most of these principles from things like running and, and uh, marine tanks, and I could tell you the same principles from marine tanks and, and things along those lines. You know, whatever fish you want to put into the system, you have to be able to support it. If you don't, bad things happen. And it's just not, not good. So there's always got to be that support that's there. So I said, well, we've got to see this more in, in, a, in the Bible. I see this more in the Bible, besides just stories. I can see it in the stories, but where's the teaching? And so my, my uh, thoughts were brought over to this particular uh, passage that Jesus tells. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So they are saying, We want to see a sign from you. He says, this condition, I'm rephrasing this a little bit, this condition of wanting a sign comes from an evil generation. Can you see where that says that? This is the condition you have that you want to see a sign. This condition is supported by an evil generation. And he says, so no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So their desire for this sign is because there is something evil on the inside of them. Now think about this way. How many people do you know that are of the, the, the world that are of evil? I'm not saying that they're notoriously evil people, but they're not of the good. They're not of, of God. They're of stuff that's not good, which is the devil. They don't want to admit that. They, you know, I haven't killed anybody. They do all the stuff. You know, I haven't done anything real, real bad, but that's what they are of. And if you begin to talk to them about God, what do they want, to, want you to do? Show me something. That is the mark of someone who is of evil. Is what Jesus is saying. Now, when he came upon people and they saw miracles, they saw signs, they saw things being done, what did they all say? Not all of them, but, but some of the ones, the good ones. They would say, this is great. And they would grab hold. And they would pursue Jesus. Well, they weren't of that evil. But these folks were. The Pharisees had a particular type of evil that they were of. That even when they saw the light, they refused to admit it. And they tried to, even if this is of God, we've got to get rid of this. 
this is not going to be helping our, our cause. So he is saying, and we, we, we look at this just so that you see the condition for why he's going to teach these things. This isn't the teaching, but this is the condition. Verse 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now we've talked about that before. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. There's a debate on was Jonah dead? Did Jonah die? Well, if the sign is the sign of Jonah, Jesus was what for three days and three nights? He was dead. So what would that mean about Jonah? He's probably dead. So all these people are trying to go around finding a fish that a man could survive in for three days or wasting their time. Because more than likely when he was swallowed, he was dead and then raised again. Which would be part of the sign. If you saw a fish come up to shore and spit out a man who was dead and then get up and walk in and say, you must believe in Jesus Christ or you must believe in God. I think you're going to, oh boy, we better listen to this. <laughs> we better, better do something here. Whether or not Jonah was, fully, was dead, I don't, I don't know. I would say that he was. But we're not going to, you know, uh, say that's a huge point. But more than likely, he was, he was dead. That was a sign, though, that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. So what you have is... Nineveh is in a condition of evil. Jonah comes as the prophet and proclaims good. And they accept it, they repent, and they change their condition. We go on to the next one. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. So she had a condition where she lacked the wisdom of God and spent a lot of money and a lot of effort to make the trip to get over to Solomon and to get that wisdom to change her condition. It took quite a bit to sustain that trip, to get that trip going, but she did it. So the men of Nineveh changed and repented. The queen of the south, she sought after true wisdom. Now we get to the teaching. This is Jesus. Now Jesus, is, this is, he's just describing the situation here. This is what he's telling us. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking at rest and finds none. So when the spirit of a man, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. Now, how many have ever heard of people that have been possessed by demons? How many of you kids coming over? How many of you have heard, heard people that are possessed by demons? Maybe you haven't seen it, but you heard about it. How does an unclean spirit come out of a man? It's not mentioned here. But how does an unclean spirit come out of a man? Someone commands it. Jesus comes up to him and says, Come out of him. Come out of her. Whoever, whoever this, the unclean spirit was in, come out. It is a command that is given and the spirit obeys and the spirit comes out. But the spirit doesn't want to come out. But the spirit is told to come out. The spirit is commanded to come out. You come out. Jesus came to the, to the boy who was being thrown down and kept saying to him, come out, come out. Paul turned to the woman who was following him saying, these are men of the high God, most high God. And he turned around and said, come out of her. And they come out. So something was said, something was done, a miracle occurred that changed this man's condition, didn't it? Spirits just don't leave people without being told. Someone had to come along and tell them. So when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. This is the thing about demon spirits. Demon spirits do not find rest outside of a human body. What a, what a demon spirit does is they come upon the human body, they take the rest, the peace that they have, and they put their unrest upon them. That's why you want to get those things out. Don't need to have those, those things around. Then he says, 
I will return to my house from which I came. I will return where? <laughs> Whose house is it? It's the man's house. But he says, I will return to my house. I will return to my house. Hmm. Just thought about it. Anybody here need pencils or pens? I was meant to ask that at the beginning. You kids coming on in. Can't fill out anything. You don't have any pencils and pens. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now, doesn't that tell you that he didn't want to leave? He's going out to try and find another place. Hasn't found it. And so he's going to return to that particular house. Now, the house was a man. How many people does he pass on the way? But he doesn't stop at them. He goes for this one. Why does he go for this one? Well, for one, he's familiar with it. I'm, I've been there before. I'm familiar with that one. I know what to expect. I like that one, whatever it might be. We, we like to go to that one. You know, you, you look at some people when they go into a new town, they look for a familiar restaurant. Not everybody likes to try new things. Sometimes we get a little more adventurous and we like to try. Generally, when I go to a new, a new place, I like to find stuff that I don't get at home. I like to find, you know, hole-in-the-wall type places, stuff that, you know, this is the only one. This is it. And sometimes it's real, real good, and sometimes it's, it's not so good. We did that when we were down in Florida visiting Christian when he was down in Pensacola. And uh, my, my, I think my, my daughter was looking around for some stuff, and she found this uh, restaurant that's just in a shopping center and just hole-in-the-wall. That was really about it. But had great reviews. So we went over there to, to go eat there. And huge line coming out. Kind of tells you that this is probably a good, good spot. So we were getting ready to wait in the huge long line to go in and to, to have the, the food. And uh, someone came up. I believe it came up to her. And said, uh, instead of waiting a long line over here, there's another spot right down over there. And their food is even better. Why not give it a shot? We, don't, we haven't been to this one before. We haven't been to that one. So we went over there and we gave that one a, a, a chance. And we, we sat on down and we ordered some stuff. And oh, it was outstanding. It was so good. We went back the next day. They had grits. I still dream of these grits. Still to this day, I dream of these grits. I don't remember all the things they put in there. I know cheese was involved. There was cheese in the grits. And there were other things in there. I think some Cajun spices. or uh, Oh, it was outstanding. I got myself a bowl of them, plus I got this um, uh, Benedict, uh, Eggs Benedict thing, but they dressed it up. They put some stuff on there you would not find in a restaurant around here, and it was outstanding. My granddaughter sat on my lap and decided to sample all my stuff, but she liked the grits so much, she ate most of it. I had to go and get some more, and the next day we ordered her her own bowl <laughs> so that she could have them. They were that good. They were, they were but you you don't find this place anyplace else. If we went down to Pensacola, Florida, again, I know we would be seeking out this restaurant. That and the uh, Redfish Bluefish. That was outstanding too. <laughs> we had real good, real good fun of that. But you know, you, don't, you, don't, you sometimes have to get out of the norm in order to do that. But apparently, demon spirits aren't likely to do that. They like to go to familiar places. <laughs> they like to go to places that they're, that they're uh, accustomed to. So he says, I, then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, all right, now we're describing the condition here. When he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Now, when he comes and these three conditions are listed, would you not say that these three conditions are a change from how he had it before? If it was the same, I don't think you would just you'd list anything. So it seemed that the demon spirit, when he was in the place... Did not have it clean, swept, and put in order. When did you say that? I put this in your outline for you. It would seem that if it was not swept and put in order before, we might call it messy. <laughs> and you kids here, your moms and dads ever called your room messy? <laughs> Why do they do that? Because it's not swept and put in order, right? So the demon spirit comes upon here. He looks upon this place and he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Why doesn't he just go in? 
if the demon spirit's purpose was to go home to where he was, why doesn't the Holy, why doesn't this spirit go in to the man? He found him. Things have changed that apparently prevented him from getting in. Wouldn't you say that? Things have changed that prevented him from getting in. How did they change? One, they were empty, swept, and put in order. Would the fact that the place is empty keep the demon spirit from getting in? I wouldn't think so. Now, notice this. Whose house is it? The house is the man. But even though the house is the man, it's still called empty. He's still there. But it's called empty. Jesus calls it empty. If Jesus calls it empty, it's empty. Don't think just because you are alive and in your body that you have, fit, have it filled. Because Jesus calls it empty. Empty, swept, and put in order. So what we see here is the first condition we doubt very much that's going to keep this evil, this evil spirit from getting back in. So it must be the swept and put in order. That there are some natural things that are done that now have prevented this demon spirit from coming back into this body. It is swept and put in order. But it is not sufficient to keep demon spirits out completely. Because what's he going to do? I don't think we read it yet. Now we said the house is the man. Don't let they get, they get by you. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. Does it seem that they have any difficulty getting in? So he goes and he finds seven spirits more evil than he is. Apparently, folks, with demon spirits, there are levels of evil. Just like there are with newscasters. Okay. Levels of evil. Yep. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So he's telling this story to tell them about what they're doing, about where they are, and how this will progress. So you have this one spirit who could not apparently get into the house by himself because it was swept and put in order. There were some natural things done that kept him from getting in. But he says, I can go get some other ones. Because I, I don't get the idea that they really like to share. But if it's a condition of not having a house or having a house with seven roommates, I guess he decided to take the seven roommates. So you got seven and one. Now you got eight. Eight demon spirits are now in this one. And the condition, Jesus says, now is worse than the first. Now, the demon spirit was cast out by someone who used the authority that they had in God. Was it God's desire that this person be set free? Is this person still set free that he's describing? No. Not set free anymore. Was set free, is not set free now. So this is a, con this is a condition that Jesus is describing. That though a miracle occurred to bring this one out of a condition that he didn't like, that he didn't want. Even though a miracle occurred, it was not sustained. It was not kept up. Because insufficient things were done. Insufficient things were done. Now, I had this in your outline too. What Jesus is teaching us is that changes were made, but they were not sufficient enough to sustain the new state of the man. When you get into a new state, you must do things to sustain it. You can't just jump in there and, well, I'm just going to do this, this particular thing. 
you have to you, you have to do some things to sustain it. You know, I've loved running all my life. Not all my life. Uh, From senior high on up. Junior high, I hated it. Despised it. Didn't like it. But something happened in high school and I just took to liking it. But some years ago, you know, I kept trying to get back in, running, with the schedule got going and kept having difficulty. And the Spirit of God showed me some things. He said, because I already had a membership to a gym because I was uh, doing the hockey stuff. And so I had a free membership to the gym. And and so the, the Spirit of God came and told me, Get on that particular, told me which machine it was. Get on that machine. It was a machine for the back. Do that and strengthen your back up. I did that, strengthen my back up. Showed me a few other things to do. Before long, I was running again. But I had a hard time keeping it up with the, with the knee. And I think I told you this story. Went into the running store and was talking to them about it. And they said, try this strap. Put this strap on. And uh, that strap, been wearing it ever since. I don't have any trouble with my knee at all. But I put that strap on. It took a couple of months running with that thing. And all the pain was gone. And so I was running more. And so I was uh, sustaining more miles. Was, you know, I was happy with that, but not as happy as I, I want to be. I think at that point I was running something like 20 miles a week, which is good. But, you know, it's, it's just okay. Uh, I wanted to run more because I like running. And so um, Spirit of God showed me some things. I changed the shoes. I had a particular brand of shoes. Love these shoes. Love the company. Love the shoes. Changed them. Went into one. It's a foreign company, believe it or not foreign company but they make a very different type of shoe put them things on and my mileage was able to increase did some other things too changed some of the things i was doing in the area of stretching changed some of the things i was added some other things to it to to help that out and it all began to increase and i kept increasing mileage and kept getting more and um it was it was going good but every time i knew that i wanted to increase and do more in the area of how many miles i ran per week how many miles i ran per one month how many miles I ran per year. There had to be something I had to do to sustain it. Because there comes a lot of pressure. Now, you guys, th- you guys think, you know, about running. Well, you pressure on your muscles, pressure on your joints, stuff like that. And, and uh, that's a small, small potato. I could tell you stuff that running does to your body. And if I ever told you all the things that it did to your body, probably none of you would ever do it. <laughs> but there are some things. And I'm old school. Old school. Uh, we, we look at the divisions this way, 30, 60, 90. Under 30 miles is low mileage. Under 60 mileage is medium mileage. And under 90 mileage is high mileage. 60 to 90 miles a week is a high mileage runner. 30 to 60 miles a week is a medium uh, distant runner. That's how I was. Anything over 90 is generally considered to be an ultra runner. That's a, an, an ultra. Now, any more, 30 miles is considered high mileage. I don't know why they came to that, but that's what they, they come to. I still go with the old one. So I'm still in the middle mileage area. I haven't gone over 60 miles a week for uh, to not long enough to sustain anything to put me in that, but still in the middle mileage. There are things that are done in your body that, that uh, unless you go through it, you, it's, just, it's just part of it. This is just part of the package of being a runner. And I won't go through and gross you out with all the things that are, that are happening with that. That's not real important. But what is important is this, is that whatever I knew, I wanted to increase. I wanted to do something different. I had to add something to sustain it. This is true for whatever it is that you want to do. Whatever that you want to get into, you have to do something to sustain that activity. If you want to walk, if you want to lift weights, if you want to do Zumba, if whatever it is you want to do, there are things that you need to do to, um, to accomplish that. To get that, now, I had a great uh, mileage last year. I want to go over that this year, and I've already figured out what things I'm going to do. To, they're, they're actually already in place, and I'm already sustaining a higher level, and should be able to easily uh, break what I did last year and do even more this year, just because I want to. That's <laughs> no other reason for it than that. It's just that you that you want to. But whatever it is, think about what it is that's in your life, and what you what you have. You have to sustain it. Now, you have to sustain it in all kinds of ways. You have to sustain it with what is physical and you have to sustain it with what is spiritual and you have to sustain it with what is mental. There are three levels in which you must sustain these things on. And if you do not bring these things in, you will not sustain it. Now, how many have seen those books out? 
I've read uh, a few of them, really enjoyed uh, uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Anybody read that one? Anybody heard of it and didn't read it? All right. Good book to read. Uh, really r- very informative. But how many have seen other books? You know, Ten Habits of This, uh, whatever it is. Uh, they're always talking about habits. Mm-hmm. And we read those books thinking, if I, can accor- if I can adopt those habits, then I can become like them. It's the same concept. In order for me to sustain a way of thinking, a way of living that is different from what I'm in right now, I must adopt habits that are different from what I am doing now. I need to adopt habits of other people. If I want to become a millionaire, I got to look at what are the habits, what are the customs of people that are millionaires. If I want to become a person who who does uh, things in the area of having people get healed, laying hands on the sick, having them recover. I need to read up on, find out what are some of the things that people who did this, what what was in their life? What kind of a prayer life did they have? What kind of a knowledge of the Word did they have? What kind of relationship did they have with God? How did they conduct the meetings? I'm looking at these things. How did they operate? What did they do? These are not bad things to learn. Learn the habits of people who have been successful in the things you want to do. But you've got to adopt it on three areas. You've got to adopt it mentally, spiritually, and physically. And see, sometimes we're not making sufficient changes in this, and so we, we, we don't accomplish that. Now, I'll give you a natural one that you can certainly uh, relate to one way or the other. Most people, whatever weight you're at, you're probably not satisfied with it. You know, there's a handful of people that say, oh, I want to weigh more. There's people who say, I want to weigh less. There's people who say, I don't mind how much I weigh. I just wish it was distributed differently. <laughs> Whatever it might be, there's some, some things we're just un, un, unhappy about. And so we get on a diet. Don't raise your hands on this one, but how many have ever been on a diet? And you're on that diet for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it was. You were on that diet and you were seeing success. You were seeing things change. You were losing weight. You were changing proportions. You were doing whatever it was. You were seeing success. And then you got down to the weight or close to the weight you wanted and you stopped doing the diet. And you didn't sustain it. The weight came back. You see, there's a reason why your body supports the weight that it does. Because you have put things in place that sustain it. And the problem with most people have with this is they think diet and exercise. I eat too much and I don't do enough. And they live in a condemnation because they think I eat too much or I don't do enough. And we think those are the two things that are sustaining it. I can tell you this. I know some folks that are overweight and they are not eating too much. I've seen what they eat. They are not eating too much. They're not even eating bad foods. I remember one one, uh, gal when I was in uh, a youth group in in high school, junior high and high school. um, uh, I'd never heard anybody in the youth group ever tease her. She was overweight, very much overweight, and did everything she could do to get that weight under control. Starved herself almost. And it just wasn't changing. And she just wasn't changing her body weight. And kids at school, I heard, were just teasing her unmercifully because of her body weight. And she would come home crying. And uh, I heard from her mom and dad. Mom and dad just sweet people. She did not have a problem home. She had a tr- tr- tremendous home. Oh, she had, she had a home. And we would go over there and meet and get the youth group. And uh, they were just like uh, a second mom and dad to everybody. They just were wonderful people. Finally, they found a doctor who did some tests on her, and she had a thyroid problem. And one simple medication to accomplish what the thyroid wasn't doing or something along those lines, and her weight just dropped right off. But she got into condemnation because of what she was eating, because of what she wasn't doing. And that doesn't help. Because there was something sustaining that weight, but she didn't know what it was. 
But you see, the Spirit of God knows what it is. And the more you get tied into what the Spirit of God is saying to you, He will tell you what is supporting that thing in your life that you don't like or what isn't in place to support what you want. Because if we have things going on in our life we don't like, something is supporting it. It cannot stay unless it is supported. Think of it like this. Think of it like a stray cat. A stray cat does not hang out at your house unless it's supported. Unless you come out there and give it food and milk or if it has lots of mice around your property to to munch on. Something is supporting that thing from being around there. Something is doing it. So you've got to find out what the support is. You know, if one of the kids is just having a soft spot for them, fills up a saucer of milk, puts it out there, that's why that cat's there. It's, you don't want the cat there, but it's there because you support it. You may not be doing it intentionally, but someone in the household is, is supporting that, that cat. So you've got to find out what is it that is supporting the things I don't like. Don't like Headaches. If you get headaches on a regular basis, headaches are there because they're supported by something in your body. Not something necessarily that you're doing wrong. It's just there is some kind of condition, there is something going on in your body that is supporting those headaches. Taking Tylenol or whatever you take for for headaches isn't changing the condition, it changes the symptoms. But it doesn't change the condition. You've got to get in there and change the condition. Remember Jesus said in this story, Three things were changed. It was empty. It was swept. And it was put in order. We haven't talked about that word empty yet, but we'll get there. But the conditions were changed. Our prayers, remember the, we're talking about wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all men liberally. He will tell you what it is. So I learned this a long time ago. So I just go to God and say, God, I want to do this. What do I need to do? And he'll, he'll put in my spirit, start doing some things like, like this. Work, put this, this part in. Because, you know, I know you all don't, don't like running a whole lot. I know that, you, that you, most of you don't really care that much about it. And we, you tolerate the fact that I just absolutely love going out there <laughs> and, 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 and doing all that. I, but God does too. God tolerates it. And he knows I get the, an, an incredible enjoyment out of going, I didn't get to, to run yesterday. It was such a nice day. It was a beautiful day. Yep. But I was not able to run yesterday. It was very sad. <laughs> I was very sad. See, I don't expect a single day. I don't ever account for a day off. If I get a day off, it's because the schedule just wouldn't allow me to, to, to run. Or my granddaughter went in time. One or the other. Sundays I hardly ever get to run because it's either I hang out with her or I go run. So she usually wins. But I just love running every day. And God knows it. So he shows me things that I can do to help that to get along. Now I'm a, I'm a, I'm, as far as runners are concerned, I know I am more on the nutty side than most of the people are. Because there is no one at the group run that I've ever talked to who runs anywhere close to what I run. Most of their jaws fall to the ground when I say how much I run. They say, ooh. Now, there's one guy, he's a running buddy of mine. Every once in a while, I get to run with him. He's usually ahead of me. He's a very good runner. He's about half my age, but he's a very good runner. And uh, once in a while, he slows down to the pace that I go. Because usually, he's up and around the, the 5.45, 6.15 pace. I can't quite keep that up for <laughs> the time that he can do it. So, uh, but he, he came in. He told me his mileage for the last year. He, he was pretty doggone close. So I said, do the challenge I'm doing. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no, you're not going to do it. But you see, if you have these things going on in your, your life, if you have a weight that you don't want, if you have headaches that obviously you don't want, if you have high blood pressure, if you have a, uh, folks, even cancer. Cancer is in a person's body because it's supported. No one wants it supported, but it is supported somehow. Most of the drugs that we have out there are out there to kill the cancer, but not change the conditions that created it. And that's why the chemo and all that stuff doesn't have all that great a success because it's out to kill the cancer, but it kills the things that are fighting the cancer 
and never changes the conditions that cause the cancer to come in. There are a lot of natural things out there that you can look into that change the conditions in your body so that the cancer can't survive. There are other things out there that you can do to help uh, keep high blood pressure from continuing on in your body or whatever else it might uh, be that's going on. Don't let them get you down. Don't let them get you fearful. If it's, if it's in your body, somehow it's supported. So if you get the support out. Now, I wanted to have a prop here. My whole goal was to bring my granddaughter's blocks that we have over at the house. Because pretty soon they're going to be granddaughters and grandsons. He's not quite up to the age that he can play with them, but he will be soon. And uh, blocks are great to play with. I just love playing with, with blocks. We get them out there and we make these, these things. But sometimes what she wants to do is um, we take one block and we put it on top of another and on top of another and on top of another. How many have ever done that? One block and just going up as tall as you can. Well, what happens when you get pretty tall? And, and you know what happens right there. What, what happens? It falls over. Yeah, it falls over. Because it can't, it can't be supported. So what you want to do is you want to get blocks and you want to go taller. Let me see. Do you know how to make it? How do you make it go taller? How do you make that tower be taller? Do what? Get more of them. That's what I would do. How would, how would you do? How would you support it? There, you, putting blocks beside it. That's it. So we've got to do, put more of them in there, put blocks beside it. If you do that, if you put two, three, four wide, you can go a lot taller because there's more support there. But you see, what we're doing is we're trying to create new conditions, but we haven't created new supports. So we go into the meeting, we get hands laid on us, and our body is healed, and we go out and we do the same things we were doing before. We create the same conditions. And before long, the spirit that left comes back, finds it clean, swept, and in order, and then goes out and finds seven more things, even worse. And our current condition is worse than it was before. Now, I ask this about people who've been on a diet. You've been on a diet, you lost a bunch of weight, you came off of it, and then you gained more weight than you had before. <laughs> Why is that? All right, it's not a demon spirit that's in the pot, but this is the concept. This is the thing that, that Jesus is teaching here. He finds it empty, swept, and put in order. The word there for empty, it wasn't empty before, was it? Why was it not empty before? Why is that a change in how the demon spirit finds it? Because he was in it, so it was not empty. When he leaves, it is empty. So that means that the person who owns the house swept it up, put it in order, and put nothing inside. Left it empty. He didn't change the conditions. And so this spirit was able to come back and bring seven others and come upon this place. So if you want to sustain the condition that Jesus has created... By casting out the demon, you've got to put other things in place. You cannot leave it empty. You've got to do something different. Now, people, you know, people look at me and they say, well, you've, got to, you know, you've never really gained any weight. You never, I think I'll just follow the things that you do. And that would not be a good idea. <laughs> it would be a very bad idea if you were to pick up my habits of eating and adopt them for your own. Because th there's a lot of negative things that high mileage running does to your body. But one of the things it does is it takes out all the supports for just about any negative uh, thing that goes on in your body like, like weight. Uh, gone. I could tell you some other conditions that have absolutely no prayer of being established in my body simply because the amount of mileage that I run. Some of those conditions are things that people go through on a daily basis. Will not ever come close to me. Can't. Because what happens is when you run all those miles, you just sweep that stuff under. Cholesterol, yeah, it might be a problem for other people. Not a problem. Because I burn up more cholesterol than most people can consume in a single day. 
So I can eat eggs and all the things that they say that are bad for cholesterol. And I, I don't think they're bad for your cholesterol, but I can eat all those things and it doesn't affect me. It might affect you. Just because I eat it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a nice skinny food or anything like that. That's not, you, you got to pick up all the habits if you're going to do that. But what you can do is you can do some studies on some things. What can I do to sustain whatever, whatever body weight you're trying to sustain? Now, understand this. Some bodies are just more comfortable at a higher weight than others. And you might have a body that's, that's maybe a little bit over the normal. That's okay. Just because they say that you ought to be this weight doesn't mean that you have to be. Get to where you're comfortable. Be comfortable there. If you're not comfortable there, then change it for, for that. But don't feel like just because some chart is telling you that if you're this tall, you ought to weigh this much. That's not necessarily what it is. Follow the Spirit of God. All right, so we're getting back on this part here. Spirit of God has, has come upon you. You were in a meeting, got healed for headaches. Left there. That headache that you had at that time was gone. Didn't have any headaches the next day. Didn't have any headaches the day after that. Lasted for maybe a week. No headaches at all. You hadn't gone a whole week without headaches in a long time. But what did you do to change things? We did nothing. You see, most of the time what we want to do is I want to show up in the prayer line, pray for the condition that I have supported in my life for a long period of time, have it go away, and go about doing whatever I want to do. That's not necessarily the way that you can go, folks. You need to get a tap into God. God, what is it that I want to do? This is not just for physical things. This is for spiritual things too. If you want to pursue some things in the area of the Spirit, if you want to pursue some things in the area of prayer, you've got to change some of the way that you've been thinking, some of the ways you've been studying. But you've got to listen to God. God, open up my eyes to see this something new. Open up my eyes to see this, this part over here. Whatever that you want to step into. Some of you folks in the worship team looking to, to step into hearing songs from the Spirit, singing them. You've got to do the things that are going to sustain that. It doesn't just come to you. You've got to do the things that sustain it. We get the idea, I want to play the, the uh, keyboard like Vanessa. I want to play the keyboard like Nikolai. Well, that's great, but you've got to do some things to sustain it. You've got to go out there and do some, do some things to, to get that going practicing some, to get some lessons, whatever it might be. It doesn't just come to you just because you, you want it. What are you going to do to sustain it? So what is it that God is telling you to do? What is it that God is telling you that can fall off of your body and get, get rid of it? What is he telling you that you can get rid of? And what are you doing about it? Are you, are you going to get a plan? All right, God, I have, this, I have this problem with my knee. I have this problem with my back. I have my problem with this whatever it might be. What can I do? See, all we want to do, we want to show up in the prayer line, get hands laid on us, and go off. But we haven't changed the condition that has caused that thing to thrive. We've got to change the condition. So what is it that I need to do? Ask God. And then God will bring you, bring you around. I don't just wait for answers to come in the Spirit. I look to talk to people. I'm always looking to talk to people. Help me out with this. And uh, tell me some things to do. I think I told you the story um, sometime last year. A running coach showed up. Only showed up two weeks. Two weeks to the running group. He was there. Hasn't been back there since. Came out there the first week. I identified myself as a running coach. And the second week um, afterwards, we, we got done. And, and uh, John and I, we were talking to him for a little while. And he told us about an exercise that would help out on some of the problem areas that we were having. And so we worked to, to incorporate, that, incorporate that in. I, I never would have thought. I didn't even know to ask about it. I've even tried since then to try and find something about it online. Describing it as best I could. I can't even find it. It's not even there. But I'll tell you what. It was, it's a pretty nice little exercise to add in. It helps out. There are some exercises you can do to strengthen your back. There are some things that you can do. You, do you know that sometimes strengthening your back involves strengthening your core? And that a lot of things that people tell you to do to strengthen your core hurt your back? I don't know if you're aware of that. There's a whole lot of exercises that you can do to strengthen your core that do nothing but hurt your back and don't even strengthen your core that much. Anybody like to do sit-ups? Yeah, throw them out. Those things should be barred from people doing them. I refuse to do sit-ups. I will not touch them because they hurt too many other things and they don't help that 
Uh, now, there's other things you can do, some of which you might not like at all. But um, there are other things that you can do. But ever heard of planks? Yeah, phenomenal. Put them in your program, do them. They'll do your core far better than your sit-ups will, and they won't hurt nothing. At least they won't hurt those. You've got to be careful in your arms, but besides that, they don't, they don't hurt. But you've got to go out there and, and, and check these things out. What is it that I'm doing? We got he- How many people suffer from headaches on a regular basis? Natural thing, headaches on a regular basis. All right. There's, that's not the way God wants your body to be. He didn't make it that way. So what you've got to do, go back to God. God, what do I have to do to get this back to where it's supposed to be? He will show you exercises. He will bring you in touch with people who will show you exercises or things to do, things to strengthen, to help that out. Because it's amazing what you have to do. I don't know what your condition is. But God does. And there are some things that are just out of balance in your body that he wants to bring back into balance. You bring that back into balance and you can do it. You cannot have that anymore. High blood pressure is the same way. There are things going on in your body or in your diet or somehow in your lifestyle that are bringing that condition on. Find out what it is. God will identify it. And I'll have to get that taken care of. But he says here, he finds it empty. You have got to put something else in. What was he expected to put in instead? Or what spirit should be on the inside of his house? And what spirit is not on the inside of his house? Because, folks, if the Holy Spirit was inside of his house, that house would not be called empty. So what he is telling us is this man came to the meeting, got hands laid on him, demon cast out of him, and decided, I don't need to pursue God. And left the meeting. Isn't that right? Because if the Holy Spirit is in that house, is it empty? It's full. And that spirit would say, ooh, there's a new occupant. He wouldn't have gone out there to get seven others more evil. He would have gone and found another house. That'd be it. What are the conditions that I have going on in my life that are sustaining the things I don't want? Here's a couple of things you can put on your list for things that might be. How many of you ever had self, uh, low self-esteem? A low self-esteem is there because something is supporting it. You believe what other people tell you instead of believing what God has said. Weight, blood pressure, cancer, Talked about all those things. Here about some spiritual conditions. Doubt. There's a reason that doubt continues in your life. Because you are sustaining it. Somehow, you are sustaining doubt in your life. Joy. We, we, in the previous series, we went over joy. There are things you do to sustain joy in your life. Peace. Patience. There are things you do to sustain these things in your life. Now, there's some things that have roots in both, physical and spiritual. Things like worry, fear, anxiety. they got a root in both areas. But there are things you can do to keep yourself from having those things plague you the way they do. And the Spirit of God will tell you. So as we get started in this series, what I want you to do is I want you to pick something from your life and I want you to say, that's my target. I want to get rid of this, or I want to add this. I want, to be, I want to be more of a person of faith, more of a person of joy, or I want to be less a person of doubt, fear, worry, anxiety. I've seen people, and they come up and they get prayed for, and they, they, they say, I'm believing that this condition, that my body is healed. And then they go off, and their talk doesn't sustain it. They have not gotten a a talk that sustains the lifestyle that they are proclaiming. You cannot just proclaim something without talking to sustain it. You can't do it. You hear people all the time, well, I believe I'm healed. And then they go off and they say, oh, this back of mine, oh, this. (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Don't, don't be doing it. Don't take ownership of those things you don't want. Amen. 
You speak to that thing. You are not making a home here. You have no place here. Well, there's some things. This is the, the overall teaching that Jesus will give us on this, but there's some principles we need to learn to help us sustain the right time, right type of things and get rid of the wrong. Sustain the right, get rid of the wrong. It's not always just pray, believe, hands laid on you, be healed, and go. There's sometimes some other things because we have not changed what we're doing to sustain that. So next week we're going to look at some things in the area of how do I sustain the right things? How do I sustain the wrong things? Because if I identify how I sustain it, I can get rid of it. I can get rid of that wrong thinking. I can get rid of that wrong way to act, way to, way to be. I can be better off with that. Because, especially you guys, you young ones here, it's really important. Establish these things early. Establish these things. If these things in the Word of God are habits for you on a regular basis, you don't have to unlearn all that other stuff. If you learn to think of yourself the way God thinks of you, what other people think of you won't be pushed on. You won't be dealing with a low self-esteem. You won't be having a problem with that. You won't be affected by other people saying, you weigh too much, you weigh too little. The hair is funny. Whatever it might be. You won't, you won't be bothered by it. Because you're sustaining the right kind of things on the inside. Just stand up with me? Glory to God. I've been talking about this series for a little bit. Hope you whet your appetite here. That's really all, we're, all we've done here this morning. Just kind of whet your appetite on it. Get your idea. Jesus has taught this. Conditions can change, but it doesn't mean that it stops that spirit from coming back again. We've got to have long, sustained changes. And how is it that we can, we can bring these things about, cause these things to be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the teachings that you give us in your word. Thank you for the things Jesus taught us here. And when we have had prayer to change a situation, that situation may try and come back on us. But if we do the things that you show us to do, that condition cannot come back. I thank you, Father, that you desire and will speak to each one of us about the conditions that we face, about the conditions that we have. Some of the things that you'll tell us to do don't even seem to be related to what is going on. But somehow, you see that they are. And we trust you. And when you tell us, go and do this, we'll go and do it. When you tell us, put this in your life, we'll put that in our life. When you say, eat this or drink this, we'll do that. If you say quit something, we'll quit it. We trust you. And you want our bodies to sustain those things that are good and repel those things that are bad. Thank you for the wisdom that you give us. You give to each one of us the wisdom that we need. We thank you for it. Everyone's head to bow you have a condition that you have in mind right now, you are thinking of. Condition whether it be physical, spiritual or mental. But a condition that you want to go after. Condition that is on your, the forefront of your mind. Something that you want to change. Raise your hand up. I got that condition. I got it already. Father, you see the hands of these folks that are raising them. I thank you that this week you begin speaking to them about this condition, about how they can change it, and what they need to do. Initially, those things may not seem like they're a big deal or even relevant. But somehow they are. It's not just a test of our obedience. Somehow it is related. And though we can't see it, we have trust in you. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
I didn't see any praise reports cards up here. Do we have any in the in the back? All right. How you doing handing out your invitation cards? I got a couple handed out. Find some people. Hand them out. Invite them. Look forward to, to seeing them come out. To, today at 1 o'clock, we're going to take on the book of Second Thessalonians. The folks in Second Thessalonians received a letter from Paul that said, I was wrong. The tribulation is now. And so Second Thessalonians is written because Paul says, I didn't write that letter. And he has some things to say that are even stronger in Second Thessalonians that it is impossible for us to be here during the tribulation. So we're going to take on those things as we uh, pick up on Second Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 2. We'll do that at 1 o'clock. You have some time to get out and get something to eat, get some uh, lunch. I'm going to do, uh, stay at the door for just a few minutes and then head on back over. I have still some more things to get ready to get the uh, class all, all going. Uh, kids, we got uh, Araz in the, I guess in the back there. She's uh, back over here. Okay. She's the one to get the uh, outlines to. And she'll uh, copy them and get them right back to you so that you can take them home. I appreciate you filling them, them out. Uh, Wednesday night, we're going to be uh, second session on our Philippian series. That'll be uh, going on on Wednesday. I'll put some more about the topic up there on, on Wednesday. But uh, we'll be picking up where we left off. I think we left off at verse 8, so we'll pick up at verse 9 on, uh, on this one. And then... Next Sunday, 1 o'clock, we have the financial peace class. That'll be starting back up again. And uh, Saturday, we had the men's breakfast. Everything like that is also in your bulletin, too. Have a great week, and bless some folks before you go.